In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I have gone round and round in preparing uh, this sermon on Jesus exercising an unclean spirit in Mark's Gospel. And frankly, I am fresh out of funny stories about exorcisms. The truth is, uh, with all our modern sensibilities, uh, we sometimes really don't know what to do uh, with these passages that we see in the Gospels uh, about Jesus confronting demons. And thank goodness it's not polite to talk about it at cocktail parties. Um, You know, what would we say if a skeptical friend pressed us about such passages? But the Bible is unapologetically comfortable uh, acknowledging that there are spiritual agents in the service of Satan that are uh, committed to evil and opposing the work of God, just as there are spiritual agents in the service of God who are committed to holiness and righteousness. The former, the Bible calls demons, sometimes uh, unclean spirits, while the latter are called angels. Well, in our passage this morning, Jesus comes face to face with an unclean spirit that has essentially taken over a man. And in the resolution of this encounter, we see a picture of the saving mercy of Jesus Christ, which is applicable both to those who are not yet believers and to those who believe the gospel and follow Christ and yet find themselves in a dark place. Well, as the passage begins, Jesus enters the synagogue and he begins to teach. He's presumably expounding the scriptures. He's calling those listening to repent and believe the gospel. That's uh, the message that he began his ministry with. That is uh, what we heard in the passage last week. Well, Mark Mark doesn't tell us uh, the details as to why, but, but many of the people there were particularly struck They were astonished, impressed, even agitated by the authority with which Jesus was teaching. Uh, There there must have been a a prophetic urgency uh, that they had not heard from their regular teachers. An eternal weight in his words. But there was a man in church that morning who was just utterly repelled. By Jesus' teaching. I think it would be easy for us to picture a, a, a zombie-like man showing up in the synagogue uh, with a de- in a devilish rage. A, a guy who just didn't belong there. But Mark seems to be saying otherwise. Uh, that he was a regular parishioner who, though in the clutches of evil, had been quite content with and, and unthreatened by the usual moralistic teaching. Of the scribes. And so we want to take note then that the devil had, has had no problem with the man being moral so long as he was relying on and trusting in his own so called goodness. But Jesus shows up. And let's be clear this unclean spirit isn't, he's not only put off by the content of this authoritative teaching, but by the embodiment of that authority. By the teacher himself, Jesus Christ. 
This agent of evil is nose to nose with the prince of heaven. Righteousness and holiness and goodness in the flesh. And Jesus is messing up all of this demon's work. He is sounding the alarm to wake them out of their moralistic slumber. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? That's the question of every opponent of Jesus. What have you got to do with me, Jesus? Everyone who thinks they've got it figured out, whether by denying God altogether, or by cobbling together an assortment of spiritualities, by trusting in your own ability to be good enough, for those outside the church, or obviously from this passage, for many inside uh, the church, the question is, what have, what have you got to do with me, Jesus? Maybe not in so many words, but I've certainly asked that question. And sometimes it has a, a tenor of defiance. Sometimes it has a tone of despair. But I have uh, many times wondered if Jesus and I have any intersection. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. But this, this demon, he's clearly not hoping for an intersection with Jesus. Uh, he knows, in fact, he says that if Jesus has anything to do with him, it will be his undoing. And yet, ironically, uh, for the man, the man whom this demon is occupying and speaking through, the answer is quite different. Because despite what the man probably thinks under the influence of this spirit, Jesus... Standing before him, Jesus is the only one who can save this man from the darkness that's got a hold of him. And do you see what's going on here? The darkness has convinced the man that he doesn't need the light. That he doesn't need Jesus. Does he need Jesus? Absolutely. But that's the lie of Satan. It has been repackaged and retold since the Garden of Eden. You don't need God. You don't need Jesus. You've got this. You're good. You're good enough. And if you're within earshot of this sermon and you don't think you need Jesus, I mean, maybe you come here this morning to uh, appease your spouse. Maybe you've come here to make business contacts. But you're going to sort of leave the... Uh, the Jesus stuff on the shelf. You don't really need a Savior. Let me tell you, that is a lie. It is the lie. And it is from the pit of hell. But here is the good news. Whether a demon's got a hold on you or, or whether you battle your own demons. Whatever that may be. If you are in unbelief or disbelief, if, or even if you're a Christian believer but you find yourself in a season of doubt or depression or despair. Friends, Jesus saves. You don't need to wait it out or buckle down or keep a stiff upper lip because, friends, Jesus saves. With just a word from Jesus, this unclean spirit is out of a job. Be silent, Jesus says. Come out of him. Jesus commands and the demon is forced to obey. The man is delivered. 
like a tumbleweed doing battle with a tornado. This demon is powerless in the face of Almighty God. Just a word spoken over this man for his good and for God's glory, Jesus saves. Friends, I don't know what you came in here with this morning. And I don't know what you're going to face when you leave, but I know this. That there is a word that has been spoken over you for your good and for God's glory. It is a word of deliverance. It is a final word. It is a word before which all the demons of hell and Satan himself tremble because they know that it has assured their destruction. It is a word from the cross of Jesus Christ, an atoning word, a saving word, a loving word, a powerful word. It is an eternal word for all who would come out of the cold, driving rain of a smiling, normalized evil and find rest on the warm hearth of His saving mercy and grace. As Jesus hung on the cross, having lived the life that we should have lived and now dying the death that you and I deserve to die, taking our sin and our separation from God upon Himself and giving us in return His righteous intimacy with the Father, He looked up to the darkening sky and He spoke a word over our own darkness, over our depression, over our own demons and over our despair. And He said, it is finished. It is finished. And all of Satan's demons and Satan himself are forced to obey. They are powerless in the face of Almighty God. And you and I both know that this doesn't mean that we won't face hardship. It doesn't even mean that our adversary, the devil, doesn't still prowl around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, as St. Peter wrote. But it does mean that no matter what, Jesus saves. And as we repent, as we place our faith again and again in the risen Lord Jesus and His mighty work, as we return to the reality and the fullness of His justification, as we learn to rest in the saving mercy and grace, we see with increasing clarity and confidence That Jesus saves for our good and for His glory. Jesus saves. As Cecil Alexander wrote his great Easter hymn, Death is conquered. We are free. Christ has won the victory. It is finished. Jesus saves. Amen.